Systems work, people feel. Welcome to InsureMark's Advisor Mentorship Podcast with Vice President Jeremy Hauser, where we share proven systems and processes for the 21st century advisor. Today, it's essential that advisors find a way to differentiate themselves from the competition. Learn how to elevate your game and accomplish incredible feats as Jeremy teaches you how to build a more successful and sustainable business while realizing a better work-life balance is not only possible, but achievable. Welcome to this week's episode of the Advisor Mentorship Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Hauser, and today is a milestone for our show. We are celebrating episode 50, and therefore, we took our talents to Austin, Texas to be in a background of our host here, who is none other than Dimensional's Vice President, Rob Harvey, who serves as a subject matter expert for Dimensional's equity portfolios and performance and is co-head of Product Specialists. Welcome to the show, Rob. How are we doing? Yeah, thanks for having me, especially on the 50th episode. Congrats on that. That's an incredible achievement. So uh, what do you think of the studio now that you're here? I'm not going to lie. I am very overwhelmed. <laughs> no. In a good way, though, right? In, in a great way. No, right. and, and it's it's something about this uh, atmosphere. Uh, Kyle was giving me the tour, and it really is something. Um, for those that get an opportunity to check out Dimensional, they are just, it's an incredible incredible place here. So why don't you tell the audience a little bit about who is Rob Harvey and a little bit about your role here at Dimensional? Yeah, great. Well, you know, very excited to be on this with you. So thanks for, you know, inviting us to participate in the podcast. I think it's helpful a little bit to talk about my background and and kind of what brought me to Dimensional, because I think it's a good story of why we think uh, advisors are so aligned with Dimensional over time. So when I came out of school, I cut my teeth at Goldman. It was there at uh, 2008 quickly realized, especially during 2008, probably not a great time to be in investment banking. That's what I thought I really wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I got to see a different side of the business than I think a lot of people had over the last couple of years before that. Realized that, again, probably not for me. So I went on the corporate side then, and I worked uh, in the treasury department of Cisco Systems, and I was there for about seven years. And at Cisco, we had about $60 billion of assets under management. Um, So quite a bit of, of cash that we were investing with external managers. So we had some active managers and we had some passive managers. And we were in the process of terminating one of our active managers on the fixed income side because they made some pretty bad bets about Mm -hmm. where the Fed was going to go. And then we opened up the search to look for a new asset manager and Dimensional comes into our offices. So one of the questions that we were asking them is, you know, where do you think rates are going to go? Like, what do you think the Fed is going to do? And they didn't really have an answer. And that didn't seem to bother them at all, right? They're not in the business of predicting where the Fed was going to go or where rates were going to go or what was going to happen in the macroeconomic environment. And that was kind of stunning for me, right? Mm -hmm. Because most of the asset managers that you hear about want to forecast out in the future, right? They've got their economists and their, you know, their research and they're telling great stories. But Dimensional has a great story too. And so when I went down to their offices in Santa Monica to learn more about what it is that we do here at Dimensional, I really fell in love. So it was one of those things Mm -hmm. where I just had an aha moment and I said, these guys really have figured it out. The research that's there, the thought that's been put into the approach, and it's very different from what you see out there in the rest of the industry. So anyway, I went back up to um, Cisco in the Bay. Was really excited to pitch us having Dimensional in uh, <laughs> yeah. in uh, in our in our asset sleeve, and they said no because the uh, treasurer was a very traditional active manager kind of a guy, and I was pretty disappointed about that. But I realized I said, you know what? If I like these guys so much, why don't I just go work for them? So I did. So I moved to Austin. Uh, I've been on um, a couple different teams while I've been here. So I was in portfolio management for about six years. 
And now I'm in the uh, investment solutions group. And part of our job is to have conversations like this, yep. right? Talk about what it is that we do here at Dimensional, the unique differentiated approach that we have, and really be able to connect with end advisors uh, and clients as well. So, so for the years now of being here and now that you're in-house, yeah. what, um, what do you think is the, the real difference maker for people once they get aligned with Dimensional? What drives advisors to want to offer Dimensional to their customers? Yeah, you know, I, th I think about what advisors have to deal with, what challenges they have with their end clients. And a lot of what we hear about from advisors about the struggles that they have is making sure that their clients stay long-term invested, mm -hmm. right? Don't think about what's happening out there right now at this moment, think about the future. And that means years down the road, right? If you can't stomach the volatility of the equity market over the next couple of weeks, then maybe the equity market isn't the right place for you to be. So I think having the alignment between advisors and the asset manager, both thinking long-term and being consistent about it, mm -hmm. gives investors a lot of confidence, right? Because when your advisor is saying the same thing that your asset manager is, now you have two voices in your ear that are perfectly aligned, which is to say, think about the long-term asset allocation. That's where you know returns are going to come from and stick to your guns, right? Don't worry about the noise that's out there. We're going to talk about that a little bit later on, a little bit of a preview for that. Yep. Um, but, you know, really make sure that if you're in the asset class, you're in it for the long haul and the, the little adjustments that you see, the little news stories that come out that feel big at the time, Mm -hmm. You don't have to worry about those if your time horizon is long enough. And again, can, you know, I mentioned consistency. Nobody wants to hear when they go talk to their advisor that they should be doing one thing and then six months later, something else. Nobody wants to pick up their account statement and be surprised as to what they see. And having that consistent approach, mm -hmm. again, both with your advisor and with your asset manager in knowing where your investments are and why is really helpful in building confidence for investors to be able to stick with it over the long term. And yeah, so you keep saying the the long term, which is is so yes. spot on, so spot on. Long term, um, I toured the office here earlier, and I got a chance to see some of the desks, some of the individuals that handle domestic, global. I mean, it's it's a great operation here. Yeah. So, in your view, over the next ten years, dimensional, do y'all look at y'all want to be diversified? Where where would you tell? or maybe project uh, customers to look for good yield over the next 10 years, as we said today? Yeah, it's a good question. And I think one of the things that you've seen at Dimensional is we're not static. We haven't sort of stuck with the same ideas and just done what we were doing 30 years ago. It's an evolution. So while we are consistent and we think about markets in the same way and we're pursuing premiums in a very similar way over time, we do also evolve our process as new thought leadership comes to light. We're pairing ourselves with leading academics out there to review new research and say, is this helpful? Is this additive for our portfolios? Can we incorporate something new to make what we do even better? So we're not sort of sitting on our laurels and saying, okay, well, it worked in 92. Let's keep doing that. We do maintain that. If it's still a good idea, then still implement it. But there's a lot of new ideas coming to light. And when we talk about yield and investment and returns going forward, the dimensional story, again, is very consistent. Mm -hmm. Where investors are going to be able to find yield, essentially, at least at the asset class level, is going to be very similar to what we had talked about 10 years from now. Now, the environment's different, but equities should outperform fixed income. So if you're looking for returns and kind of lump that in with yield, the equity space is a great place to be. 
fixed income looks very different now than it did even mm-hmm. last year or two years ago. One of the things that we hear from advisors a lot now is they'll have clients come to them and say, why would I be invested in a bond portfolio? Because my money market fund is giving me 5% right now. So what's True. the point of being in a fixed income portfolio? Especially when a lot of the fixed income portfolios out there, especially that invest longer duration in the US, have lower yields than money market funds. That's sort of counterintuitive, right? Why would you invest in a 10-year product or a five-year product that has a lower yield than you know some short-term bonds? Our response to that is, our approach in fixed income is dynamic. If there's better yields to be had, shorter on the curve, then that's where you should be. Mm-hmm. So our positioning in our fixed income space is much shorter right now than a lot of the benchmarks and indices that you see out there, because that's where the yield is. Now, the reason that you might want to think about that as opposed to a money market fund is this yield environment will not stay the same. I can't tell you when we're going to have a normal shaped yield curve again in the US, but historically, that's usually what we see in the US. So at some point, it's likely to happen again. You're going to want to make sure that the manager that you're invested with moves as the yield curve moves. Because your money market fund isn't always going to be the highest yielding instrument out there. So you want to have people day to day looking at the portfolios, looking at the yield curves, and moving out to where the best opportunities are Mm -hmm. in the market. We don't know what those will be, but I promise you we're going to be watching every single day to make sure we capture them wherever they are. And I mean, I think in in your past too, you also had a very extensive background on on the fixed income yeah. portfolios, right? Yeah. Yeah. So in I'd, fact, I, when, when I joined Dimensional, I kind of assumed I was going to be working on a fixed income desk. They don't really tell you because a lot of the, it's a systematic manager. So the ideas that we have in one desk are very similar to the ones that we have on another. Uh, and I kind of assumed I was going to be on fixed income and then they put me on equities, which was a nice surprise because then <laughs> you kind of get a better balanced approach of different experiences. But yes. Yeah. And I, and I think for really for the audience too, because a lot of the the people, the advisors that listen to this, they they are hungry for fixed income opportunities or yes. alternatives. So can you talk to maybe a over the course of the next couple of years, what are some of the things Dimensional looks at as great fixed income opportunities or given opportunity also with an equity strategy? Is there a combination? Is there a hybrid? What what do y'all look at? Yeah. So it's kind of both, right? Because even within fixed income, there's a, a global opportunity set, which is important. A lot of the times mm-hmm. we think about the US yield curve, and that's sort of where investors have to choose between the duration of the US yield curve. In a global portfolio, that's not the case. You're not sort of trapped within the Japanese yield curve or the US yield curve. You can look at Italian yields, right? And that is much more normal upward sloping. And then you can say, well, actually, it does pay to be out a little bit longer in duration in Italy than it does in the US. So maybe that's somewhere that investors should consider adding to their portfolio, right? That global aspect of it. And to be honest, that's a conversation that's very hard to have with end clients right now for advisors. Because the US, obviously, there's going to be a home bias no matter where you are. Right. Chileans have a home bias. Canadians have a home bias. Aussies have, everybody has a home bias. So it's, it's hard to get people to move away from what they know. But there's diversification benefits from there. And there's a lot of opportunity out there as well. And you don't have to extend yourself far down the credit spectrum to pick up yield. You can use supers and sovereigns right outside of the US and still get a nice pickup in yield. Sometimes, again, it's going to change day by day. You really have to look at it carefully and say, what is the opportunity set? Am I being paid for the risk that I'm taking when I extend myself either in duration or credit? And that's how we think about it. You know, so... 
when we think about, for example, credit, which is you know one of the opportunities that we see, especially when people reach for yield, uh, a lot of times we've heard more about private credit out there. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to go to private markets to be able to get yield. You can reach in the credit spectrum in publicly traded markets as well. And the advantage of doing that is there's just a lot more information out there about how these bonds trade and also historically what credit spreads have looked like. So if credit spreads are very wide and you're being paid and compensated for holding triple B bonds, great, then you should probably hold a little bit more of those. If spreads are tight, then again, you'd want your manager to sort of rein in that credit exposure Mm -hmm. and be dynamic with the market. So dimensionals approach, while we think about consistently getting what you, you know, essentially getting paid for the risk that you're taking in fixed income, that's always going to be the case. What that looks like day to day is going to be different. And we can't say again what the futures hold, but we're moving with the market. Yeah. And and I think last year, a lot of people experienced 2022 yeah, Our markets got crushed. Yep. Equities got crushed. Yep. Some uh, some customers who had those fixed index annuities, they they don't have to participate in the downside. Right. So that's um, become more of a. I think this year the space itself of fixed index annuities is trajectory to be one of the best years in its history, which is great. Um, and the problem, though, a lot of advisors have right now is it's been just. It's just a house of cards of just numerous indexes now that are flooding the space. Sure. So it's becoming more than just the S&P 500 being a benchmark. So with all the different 150 to 200 vol controlled indexes out there, I think y'all just celebrated y'all's one year anniversary. We did. For Dimensional. We did. Yeah. So what what is something that um, going to, is it just the long-term investment for Dimensional or what, what makes Dimensional's index become something that advisors want to definitely take a look at? Yeah, let, let's let's talk about this in a little bit more detail because I think the way that we thought about the index is actually very similar to how we think about building portfolios and has mm-hmm. been for a long time. First of all, whenever you go out and build an investment solution or a product, you better be very sure if you're deviating from the market at all that you have a good reason for doing that. And what informs your decision about how far you're going to deviate from the market or how you're going to structure this product? Well, it, it could be done in a couple different ways. A traditional active manager, again, kind of reads the tea leaves and makes a call. Or you could be like an index manager and just blindly follow whatever the index is. Mm-hmm. Or you could do what Dimensional does, and that's tap the greatest minds in modern financial theory to say, what is the best way to achieve a specific outcome? And you mentioned vol here, yep. and that's important. When you think about vol, when you think about you know options pricing, where does your mind naturally go? I mean, a lot of people rely on the research of Bob Merton, for example, when he talks mm-hmm. about volatility. And so when we think about building a product inside of a volatility controlled space, that's a mind you really want to make sure that you're picking. And we work very closely with Bob Merton, along with other leading academics, to help us better understand volatility and how it moves and changes, and also correlation between asset classes, too. Because if you're targeting a certain level of volatility, it's not just about the volatility of the individual components. How do they work together? Mm-hmm. One of the other things that we talk about at Dimensional is not just using the academic research, but if you're very data intensive, if you're data driven the way that we are, your data needs to be very good. And so when we look at the vol metrics that we have in place, it's a lot more comprehensive 
than what you see other vol metrics out there. And so Salt uh, Financial, for example, is a company that we partner uh, yeah. closely with in, in building this. And one of the advantages of thinking about vol the way that they do is, first of all, it's not just historical. We're also looking at future implied volatility, again, using the research of Merton. And that's incredibly helpful. Think about how difficult it would be to drive your car if you could only look in the rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. You need both perspectives. You need the rearview mirror and you need to be able to look out the front. So that's what I think about when you think about having you know both Im- implied future and historical volatility. Also, there's a lot more data that gets collected as opposed to a once a day snapshot. Think about, for example, if you were here in Austin to try to get a feel for what it's like to live in Austin during September and you only took one snapshot a day of the temperature in Austin at 2 a.m. in September. It probably seems like a great place to be. Yeah. You need all the data points throughout the entire day about how that temperature moves throughout time. And same thing with volatility. If you're only looking at one observation or a minimal amount of observations, you're not really getting the full picture. And the advantage of getting a full picture in the way that we think about it is the better understanding you have about what volatility is, that allows you to get closer to that volatility threshold that you target, which means you can capture more returns. If you're not sure about where volatility is going to be because your metrics are incomplete or you don't have good data around it or maybe the research isn't there, you're naturally going to have to pull away a little bit from more volatile and higher returning asset classes. Mm -hmm. That costs something. And so for us, it's really important to have the research really important to have the data. And then the last piece is making sure day to day that we're doing what we said we would do. So it needs to be dynamic throughout time. We talk about, you know, the differences in yields between the two year and the 10 year, for example, and and incorporating that into the way that we build the index. You have to look at that every single day. You have to look at where equity markets are going, the volatility of those every day, commodities portion of Mm -hmm. it, right? That's a daily process as well. Where do the curves look like relative to one another? Where do you want to be positioned on each one of those curves? So you really need a lot of attention that's paid to this. And, you know, again, consistency, like you were saying about having a long-term approach, incredibly important, but you also need to be able to move with the market. So it's about the theory, the approach, the concept that stays the same, but you need to be able to adapt to market prices throughout time. And, mm-hmm. and your product should as well. And for somebody who lived here in, for four years in Austin, <laughs> Texas, I know September is not the same as February. It's January. really not. It's Yeah. So that's a great, that's a great analogy Thank uh, you. that you put together. Is that by yourself? It is not. <laughs> <laughs> Although I can say that also having just lived through September and you know getting excited about coming into the fall, it's, it's something that's very top of mind for me. So. <laughs> um, so you did mention something about picture, and I thought that was pretty cool. I, I saw a couple weeks ago. So y'all have a y'all have a book or not a book? Y'all have a movie? Yes. Um, was it Tune Out the Noise? Tune Out the Noise. That's so right. I hear that. So that's talk talk about what the thought behind that was with all the academia you have. Um, yeah, behind dimensional, but also opportunities for maybe even advisors too to utilize that. Yeah. So the movie itself, really, the impetus of it is talking about the foundation of dimensional. So mm-hmm. when you think about how dimensional was founded, our, our, our founders really worked on the first index products before they came to dimensional. So a lot of it is thinking about how do markets work? What is the sort of academic research telling us about what the what a better way to invest is? And how did that ultimately get started? You think about our origins in 1981 when David Booth started off. And one of the things that we offered, our very first fund was a microcap fund, as uh, hmm. a mutual fund. And microcaps didn't do very well over the next 10 years. So how do you have 
a startup essentially have a product that's not that successful in terms of its returns actually flourish for after 10 years. And a lot of it comes down to the belief that you have in, again, the research that's been put into, the thought that's been put into the implementation of these portfolios. And so people can kind of sort of look beyond just these short-term you know, news stories out there that are encouraging investors to move away from their asset allocation, right? That's where the name comes from, tune out the noises. Don't worry mm-hmm. about what's happening right now. Worry about what your investment's going to look like 10, 20 years from now. And as a result, even during difficult periods of time in the market, we've been incredibly successful in having investors stick with it because they understand the philosophy, they understand the research, and that allows them to stick with their guns. That's what rewards them over time. Hmm. So even, you know, financial crisis that we saw, we actually didn't have net outflows that year across our product suite. That's incredible. What asset manager can say that? But it's because of the fact that our investor base uh, is very well aligned with us, has a long-term approach, and you can think beyond just the events of of today and tomorrow. Um, in terms of the availability for advisors, I'm really hopeful that we can get that out there. We want to do it on a major streaming platform. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully that's coming at some point in the near future. We're trying to get out to advisors and offer some events locally yep. to the extent that we can. Um, so take a look for that in, in whatever city you're in, especially if you've partnered with Dimensional, reach out to your regional director. I'm definitely happy to schedule more of those screenings. We, we hopefully will in the future. But you know, again, ultimately the end goal is let's make this more public because mm-hmm. I do think it's actually a benefit for the public to hear from people like yeah. Fama and French about their candid opinions on the origins of Dimensional and also, again, the benefit of having well-diversified, low-cost investment solutions that have long time horizons. Love it. And I so thank you very much for, for hosting us. Thank you for your time. Uh, thank you to the Dimensional team for letting us uh, be with you guys here for this episode. Uh, and also thank you to the listener for listening in. Feel free to subscribe on your favorite listening device so you do not miss out on any future episodes. Also, follow us on LinkedIn for any future previous clips that you can catch us on there. And also wrapping up everything in a world full of betas, be an alpha. Thank you for listening to the InsureMark Advisor Mentorship Podcast with Vice President Jeremy Hauser. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available and connect with Jeremy on LinkedIn to stay up to date. If you would like to request our introduction kit, feel free to check out www.advisormentorship.com and click on learn more. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of InsureMark. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. Thank you for listening to the InsureMark, the advisor mentorship podcast with InsureMark Vice President Jeremy Hauser.